Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Monoreal Radio. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. Huge week. Probably the biggest drop on Disney Plus up to this point. Hamilton is released on Disney Plus this past week in celebration of the 4th of July weekend. Evidently, the Disney Plus app downloads through the roof this weekend for people that wanted to watch Hamilton. I would go so far as to say, and this has not yet been confirmed, that other than The Mandalorian, this is probably the one piece of content on Disney Plus that by far has the highest day one plays. And the world will never be the same. It won't be. To quote Hamilton. But, um, yeah, because I don't even remember Frozen too being this big of a deal when it dropped and i have to say kudos to disney plus because we streamed it and it was flawless and we did that on friday there was no lag the system didn't crash i was super impressed with that and we watched it early we watched it at like 10 o'clock in the morning so it was like it was we put it on thinking okay we anticipate lag we anticipate buffering delays None of it happened. Yeah, and I watched it two or three more times over the course of the weekend, and it was still fine. I think that over the course of the first three days, we had it on about four times. And frankly, it seems like that has sort of become the norm. I mean, there are people that loved it and have watched it on loop. There are people I've read on social media and some of our listeners as well that have said that they couldn't get past the first 15 minutes. Now, that's kind of what we're here to discuss and give our sort of all-around review of it. But, I mean, by and large, it seems like this is something that is just rotating on and on and on for so many people. Well, that's why we decided to do a bonus episode because, quite honestly... Obviously, it was on our radar, but we didn't think we were going to have that much to say about it. But everyone is talking about it. And it was like, how could we not? Right. Before we get into the actual review of the musical, though, I think that we do have to talk about the buzz around Hamilton. We have mentioned on the show before, we live on Long Island. We are about an hour and 20 minutes from the city. Jackie is a Broadway file. When this show came out, and it's been four or five years now, you couldn't escape it. It was like the blob. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And try as you might, you could not escape Hamilton. It was probably the biggest Broadway phenomenon since Wicked. Possibly an even bigger phenomenon than we- than Wicked because I feel like Wicked slowly caught on because you had your Wizard of Oz fans that were going to go see it. Yeah. And people that were familiar with that story. And then it caught on word of mouth like, oh, no, but it's the story behind the story. And it kind of grew from there. And this, it's, you know, whether you're a history buff or not, whether you're interested in the subject matter or not, whether you like rap or not. You can't escape this. It was everywhere to a point where I even remember when it first came out, 
I was working in the city. Um, I was working on the last season of Mob Wives, and one of the producers had tickets to the show, and it was pretty early on. It was still pretty buzzy at that point. But I remember it was like, get her out of work on time. She has Hamilton tickets. We have to get her over to Broadway before the start of the show. And everybody like rallied behind her and made sure that she didn't miss curtain call. It I, was insane. I feel like this happens in New York, say, every five years. You get that one show that lights the world on fire and you can't escape it. Most recently, it has been Hamilton. But if you look back on even the past 25 years, it was Jersey Boys. It was Spamalot. It was Wicked. It was, for a, for a time, it was Avenue Q. Book of Mormon the, Book was of a big Mormon one. Book of Mormon is the big one. I think, I think this sort of unseated Book of Mormon, I feel like Book of Mormon, like it's still a hard ticket to get, but it's window of dominance, like cats at the Winter Garden Theater. <laughs> and if you grew up in the Northeast, you know that horrific, horrifying commercial from the 80s. It still scares me to this day. Like, that had staying power. Phantom has had staying power, but... Mamma Mia was huge. The producers. I would say yes. the producers is probably... Of all of those things, the producers is probably the one thing that I associate closest to this because I remember when Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane did that show, Tickets were sold out for two years, mm -hmm. and by the time people had gotten to the end of their two-year window, they were furious because neither one of them were in the show anymore. And I think that started happening with Hamilton. Although, no, for some reason, even with Lin-Manuel Miranda leaving the show, people still want to see Hamilton. Well, that's because this cast has, like, Tonys across the board for it. But to circle back to what you said, I think that's kind of why... I overlooked this one because it went from getting so excited that somebody you knew had tickets because they were impossible to get. It almost became like bragging rights. If you had tickets, it became a little snobby almost like, yes, oh, I saw Hamilton. So I was completely over it by that point. Not to mention that the cost of a ticket was exorbitant. So you were not going to see me shelling out 400 bucks to go see this show. And, I could go see Wicked like, like six times for that. And that was like the cheap seat right. for Hamilton. So I was so over it by that point. And then after Lin-Manuel did that show, it went right into Moana because that came out in 2016. So there was so much hype around him and even still at that point, really before Mary Poppins returns, admittedly, we were not that impressed with him. And now I sort of regret not getting a chance to see it with the original cast after having watched this. Because, you know, I'm sure the cast that they've put in place since then has been amazing. But to see most of the people that originated the roles and to see these artists who have won Tonys for their performance and to see somebody like Jonathan Groff in the original Broadway cast. Um, yeah. I kind of wish that I brought into the hype. I can say um, without spoiling too much of my review, and we will talk about it in just a moment here. I'm glad I didn't buy into the hype. I think before we jump into it, I think I like this more because I can watch it on Disney Plus for my 6 or $7 a month. 
I feel like if I had spent $400 on this, that I would have walked away furious. Well, let me clarify. I'm saying I would have liked to buy into the hype. Not for 400 bucks. For $100 to see the original cast with all the name talent, yeah, I would have done that. But you couldn't. No, there was no way of, of seeing it. So we had to wait until it got to Disney+. Plus. And we're not really, there's no real structure to this. We're kind of just having a really lax conversation here. No, we're not doing the plot. And if you want to know the plot, please Read open a up a book. book. <laughs> Read a history book. Um, which is one thing that a lot of people have given the show some praise for that for the most part it is fairly accurate to history if you watch jersey boys for example which is one of my favorite shows and listen let's not mix signals here i don't love broadway i go see maybe a show a year i'm just as happy going to an islanders game going to a Yankees game. Well, I really don't care about baseball this year, but that's a whole other situation. Long Island Ducks. I would rather go to 10 Long Island Ducks games than go to one Broadway show. But that's just me. But, so so I don't want to sit here and like talk as if I'm some huge, um, you know, theater geek that just loves musicals. No, I would even go so far as to say that most of the musicals that you've seen in, what, the past 10, 12 years are because I have dragged you. Or Idina was in something, and I was like, okay, we're going. Yeah, um, that's that's accurate. I think of all of the shows that we've seen, I think I have, I've gone along on almost all of them. I think the only two that I really sat there and said I really want to see, well, three that I said I really want to see were Jersey Boys, Spamalot, and Beautiful, the Carol King musical. And Escape to Margaritaville. And How could to you forget that? Yes. That one I was dragged to. Yeah, and it was a fantastic show. But with all of that being said, so I, I don't, I, like, I have a basis of comparison, um, but I don't have the vested interest that you have. So circling back around to Jersey Boys, which was the long way to get to this point, as much as I love it, and it's one of the best ones that I've seen, a lot of it is not accurate historically. And I have taken issue with that on this show before when movies do it. If you're going to tell a story, it's because you felt the story was good enough to tell. So if it's good enough to tell, you really don't have to take a lot of liberties with it to entertain us. In this case, it seems like they kept it, for the most part, true to form. Well, there is one thing that is not historically accurate, but it, I think, served the story better. Um... Hamilton actually had seven children in real life. Obviously, they chose to focus on the son because it was a tragic death. Yeah. The death also, for the purpose of story, mirrors the way that, spoiler alert, Hamilton will die. Yeah. I really hope you knew that before turning on this podcast. Um, so I, I think they kind of needed to do that. And, and make him not seem like an only child because he did mention that he wanted siblings and I believe they mentioned the sister. Um, but I think you kind of really had to like squeeze the juice out of the lime mm -hmm. as far as, well, I mean, you that I take that back. You didn't have to because it was already sad enough, but they're really making it seem like he, he was 
almost an only child because they didn't focus on any of these other kids. The other reason I think it served to leave all those kids out was because it makes his infidelity that much worse because let's be honest about something. You have seven kids. You don't seem to have a problem in the bedroom department. So why would you have cheated on your wife? Yes. I think it would, to put all of those kids in and to have to cast that many other people, it it just would have been too much. Yeah. And other than their existence, it sounds really mean other than their existence. What is their purpose? You know, they, they don't serve a purpose to the show. Obviously, the relationship he had with his son, the way that his son passed away, it goes hand in hand with moving this story along. And, and where Hamilton was shot by Aaron Burr in that duel was near the same place where his son was killed in a duel. So there are there, there's certainly a bridge that you can build there that if you put the other six kids in there, other than introducing them, doesn't really do anything for them. So that I will agree with you with. Um, let's. I mean, I don't know. Where do you want? Where do you want to go here? What do you, what do you want to just talk about in general well, about Hamilton? That was something that you appreciated was the historical accuracy. Yeah. What I want to address that I appreciated is my biggest pet peeve with the Broadway to film adaptations. We have talked about it a million times on the show. My gripe is that when there is a full company number, it doesn't always translate to the film when the characters are in different parts because you have people that you can hear singing, but you can't see them. Now, granted, this wasn't adapted to film in such a way where they were putting them in the setting. It's just, you know, the camera's straight on the stage and we're just seeing the play full out. But what they had the frame of mind to do was cut to the wides when it's a full company number. And I was like, thank God they did not miss this one. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. And I really appreciate the camera work because we were talking about that as we were watching it. It's really well shot. It is, and I was trying to figure out where they placed the cameras because it was shot with a with a live audience. I have to imagine maybe that night they blocked out the balconies and that's where they put the cameras, but you, you can't have, when the tickets especially cost that much, you can't have a camera obstructing somebody's view. No, you can't. Either... Either they offered tickets at a discounted price. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how they did it. But it was it was great. I mean, it was wide where it needed to be. They went for the close-ups for the really emotional parts. And that was kind of nice to see, too. Especially, like, you know, when you do go to a play and you do get the cheap seats, sometimes you do miss out on those bigger emotional moments because you can't see the close-up. Conversely... I didn't need to see so much spittle in the close-ups either. It happens. I've sat in the front row for Wicked, and I felt very bad for everybody that was around Anna Gasteyer because she was, like, showering them when she was Elphaba. uh, I didn't need to know that, but, you know, hey, you learn something new and unique every week here on Monoreal Radio. It it happens. Like, when you're projecting that much, it's going to happen. But, I, I mean, they did a disservice, I think, to Jonathan Groff. So I wanted to ask you whether that was like a stylistic choice of his. Like, was he trying to come off like a 
very like out of his mind, foaming at the mouth, almost like an animal, or does he just spit a lot? Because I would have imagined that after the show was over, they may have said, geez, you've got a glob of spit hanging off of your chin. Maybe we need to do these close-ups again, and we can just cut around it so that it doesn't gross people out. Or... If it's being edited by Disney, it has to occur in someone's mind. Gee, this is Kristoff. Let's maybe not, you yeah. know, put him <laughs> in an unflattering position. Um, I I did see. I have seen Jonathan Groff on Broadway before. I saw him in the original cast of Spring Awakening. I don't recall this being an issue, so my vote is going to be stylistic choice. While we're on him. Let's just do this. Kristoff aside, he is one of my favorite things about this play. I mean, he he's just amazing. He sounds amazing, but the petulant child characteristics that he gave King George were perfect. He was so funny. And I mean, obviously, you need the comic relief because the subject matter is pretty heavy throughout the rest of it. But I just thought it was such an interesting choice to even incorporate the character of the King in a show like this. And what he did with it was amazing. Um, it almost reminded me, I felt like he brought to life Prince John from Robin Hood. Yes. I would imagine that he had used that character as inspiration um, I think you're totally right about that. What I love about his performance is that at times he does not emote anything except a plastic smile. He barely blinks. So he really pulls off this manufactured phony king so well. And again, that's where it's so great that we have this access through Disney Plus and they shot it in this way because you cannot see those things from the last seat in the house if it's live. And I love how every time he comes on to sing, it sounds almost like a Disney Channel bubblegum pop song juxtaposed against this rap and hip-hop. I think that where they did mix the musical styles was very impressive. And it's almost startling when he comes out and he does a very traditional show tune, but it works for the character. Yeah, and I didn't even care that he basically came out and sang the same thing three times in a row. It was the same song over and over again. It was, but it just got funnier each time. I want to hit on something that you just said. They reprised so many songs. Right, and this is why we're not reviewing song by song, mind you. Right. They would have a song earlier on and you think it's over, it's done with. It comes back in, either later in the first act or in the second act, but as a part of another song, but they're still playing the music from the newer song, using the lyrics and the rap from the first one. And it just amazed me how seamlessly everything blended together, especially, and that's one of the one of those things too, where it's like, we were really asleep on Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's such an amazing lyricist. His rhyme schemes were insane. He, he used like every single trick in the book. So here's the thing. At times, 
because th- there's very little dialogue. They're basically, perf- of course, they're performing. It's on stage, but they're sort of performing musical numbers the whole time. But it's sort of like slam poetry sometimes more than it is rap. And when it when they do rap, sometimes it's so fast I don't understand what they're saying. Um, That's a you problem. I think that Lin Manuel Miranda. I think you're right. I think he's a very creative lyricist. But other than that, I think he's an all around good showman that does not do one thing particularly well. I don't think he's a great actor. I don't think he's a great singer. I don't think he's a good dancer. But somehow, he does a little bit of everything that makes him endearing as a showman all around. I think he got better at some of those things when it came to Mary Poppins Returns. And I think he's also a victim of the whole is greater than the sum of all its parts. Yes. Um, I liken him to somebody like either Anthony Kiedis or Gwen Stefani. Love the two of them. Love their bands. Love their music. They're actually terrible singers. Yeah. Like, off key, I, I don't know what, really what key you're singing in you have like one octave and and yet i i enjoy but because they're show people they know how to put on a show and that's exactly what he does but i mean it takes an immense amount of brain power to put something like this together i mean the the research that he had to do the writing and to perform it all i mean he really is the full package but i will give you that He's not a good singer. I think the show is as strong as it is because of the cast that he has around him. If it were him with average performers, I think the show probably falls on its face the minute he leaves it. However, he had a strong cast around him. We talked about Jonathan Groff before, but I think Leslie Odom Jr. is clearly the most talented person at least in this adaptation of the show. He was amazing. For me, he stole the second act. And I think story-wise, that was supposed to happen because you're supposed to like Hamilton in the first act and he becomes sort of unreliable in the second. And sort of reclusive. You don't know what he's going to do next. Right, and that's the thing. He has to win you back over before he dies, but... Leslie Odom Jr. really, I, I mean, and, and it goes hand in hand. The character, you you have to like Aaron Burr too. You have to have stock invested. Yeah. Let's say you don't know how this is going to play out. You have to be nervous for him too. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that at the beginning of the show in the first number, they introduced the entire cast and tell you exactly who these people were in his life. And when you get to Aaron Burr, he's the last one they introduce, and he goes, and I'm the damn fool that shot him. Yeah, so it kind of does set you up in that way of how you're supposed to feel that this is your antagonist and Hamilton is your protagonist. But 
there were things, especially when Hamilton was seemingly going off the rails, that really put you really before uh, Burr switched parties to take over his father-in-law's seat. Yeah, I was I was all for Team Burr, but I mean, it, it's the whole thing. It, if you don't stand for anything, what will you fall for? And I thought at first that it was going to lead to the show being anticlimactic. I mean, like, you know Aaron Burr shoots him if you've gotten out of high school. But I it I thought it was going to take away from the anticipation. I think in this case it worked because you know that he's going to shoot him. He introduces himself, tells you he's he ends up doing it. But then you see the roller coaster ride that is their relationship. I think it was the perfect way to introduce all of these characters. I was really nervous about that. I mean, characters, because... they're people, but you know what I mean. Right. Well, for, for this purpose, we are talking about story. They are characters. And that's, you know, they're embellished. That's yeah. the other thing that you have to keep in mind. Um, but to that point, I was very nervous that it was going to drag. Because in the first song, Alexander Hamilton, they drop so much history I was like, how are they going to fill two hours and 40 minutes? Because that, that was the other thing. We thought we were going to be able to squeeze this in, and we were kind of sweating this out when we saw what the, the uh, running time was yeah. when we watched it. Um, I want to hit on something else that you said. Um, you know, in that first number, they all introduced themselves. Aaron Burr and Hamilton are the same throughout. I was not expecting that half the cast was going to switch and double dip into a different role. Yeah. And that is something I'm sure you lose by seeing it on Disney Plus because I'm sure if you went to see the play and you had the playbill in your hand and you looked, you know, the actor is credited with the dual role. So that was actually a really fun surprise watching it in this medium. Yeah. And you get the one guy that plays his son. I mean, this guy gets killed twice in the same show. <laughs> you sort of feel bad for him. I'm I'm wondering if that was done intentionally. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that was something that was decided in the writing. I don't know if it was decided in the casting. Um, because then when you take somebody like David Diggs, who plays Lafayette and Jefferson, He's so amazing at both. He was he was incredible. I mean, he did win the Tony for this performance. He actually he beat Jonathan Groff. They they were both nominated in this category, and he beat him. Yeah, that, that's a toss up, but I, that was probably the right call. Yeah, but I'm wondering if that was like a game time decision that they made when they were casting, where it's like, well, this guy is great at both of these things. So yeah. like, I'm wondering if your if your second act character was determined at your audition or if it was the entire I mean I have to imagine that is something that they wrote into it but I'm just I'm curious as to maybe they would have changed that based on casting maybe but I want to hit back on David Diggs because he just what amazes me is that he's so good in both but he makes them so different. And I mean, yeah. obviously you have to, and one of them's French and one of them's Th- Thomas Jefferson. So you have, you have givens there that make them different, but just his performance, his, his speech, his body language, everything about it was just so good for each of them. Yeah. 
I love how they used the set. I thought the set was amazing with the rotating stage. I thought that they really used that to their advantage, especially when you got into the dueling scenes. Mm, the only reason I don't find that so impressive is because Les Mis did it already. And that's another play about a wartime era. So in that sense, it sort of seems derivative, but where I think it really worked for me, and this is another thing that I was not expecting at all. Um, when we meet the Schuyler sisters and Eliza sings her song that she's falling in love with Hamilton, yeah. and then the sisters giving their wedding toast, and then it goes to a rewind. I was like, what is happening? It's, I wasn't expecting it watching it this way, but I have to imagine, I mean, you know, you see movies about time travel all the time, but like when you go to a play, you're expecting a linear performance yeah. or if they're going to do a flashback, it's usually to childhood. So they bring out a kid and you know that it's, you know, however many years ago when you're yeah. seeing your main character as a child. So I really wasn't expecting it to just backtrack immediately and the way they did it was so cool and how they have the blocking the exact same in those two numbers is amazing absolutely i think that the costumes i think uh, you i think it's understated how good the costumes are in this show it's not that one a tony too but go ahead <laughs> but i it, it won a tony but it's n this is not anything anybody talks about because i think uh, here's the thing I'm not sure, even now that we've watched it a few times, I'm not sure if the hype of this show is due to the show in its entirety or if it's hyped up because of how unique it is. I think that this way of storytelling works for Alexander Hamilton's story. You certainly, I don't think you can, I don't think you could take it and just do it for anybody. I think it works for him because I think Lin-Manuel Miranda had once said, like, Hamilton was the original gangster. Like, if you really think about him. And in many ways, I think this this style of songwriting, I think the way that Lin-Manuel Miranda did it, it works for Hamilton. But let's not change the fact that it is completely unique. So I don't know if it is still riding high because of buzz or because of hype. And I think sometimes people confuse something that creates a buzz with something that's overhyped. Because, I, I mean, yeah, the, the show was... I mean, they handcuffed you in terms of the cost to go see it. It was cost prohibitive to go. And you couldn't get tickets anyway. But I knew so many people that would tell me, oh, my God, Hamilton is so amazing. And I'd say, when did you see it? I've never seen it. And I'd say, well, how do you know it's amazing? Well, I listened to it on Spotify. It's not the same. I go, but it's, okay. So you listen to a soundtrack. I mean, I could sit here and throw a dart at half of the movies where I go, wow, that soundtrack was awesome. But that movie stunk. So I think... I'm not sure if the buzz and the hype are getting confused. And I certainly do think that people grasped hold of the 
soundtrack so much that they overlooked all of the other things that made the show good. I think part of it is definitely FOMO. And that is another conversation for another time. Um, yeah, get a hobby, people. <laughs> I agree with you because, as I mentioned before, I was especially working in Manhattan at the time. I was just so over it. I was like, all right, everyone shut up. I'm sure it's amazing, but, like, let's talk about something else. Um, and I remember my best friend was coming home from California, and he really wanted to go see it. And we weren't buying those tickets. No way. We, we tried to enter the lottery for it a couple of times and lost. Um, but I was like, all right, in the event we get to go, I want to prepare myself. I want to, you know, know a couple of songs because I find it more fun. You know, it's like going to a concert. You're going to go your favorite, see your favorite artist. You know their entire set list backwards and forward. You want to sing along. So I was like, for something like this where it's rap, I want to, you know, familiarize myself a little bit. So... I listened to a couple of songs and I wasn't that impressed. This really is the perfect combination of audio and visual bringing it to life that makes the difference because the soundtrack on its own, like now having seen it, I enjoy the soundtrack, but without it, I was kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think... Similar to, similarly to you, I think I was over it before we saw it because especially living here, you get people that love to pretend that they're cultured because they live an hour and 20 minutes from the city and don't actually go. And you have people, especially with that FOMO generation, that would not go see a Broadway show, even if it was something that they had remote interest in. But all of a sudden... I have to go see Hamilton. Why? Because everybody's seen it. Were you interested in seeing it before? No, but I saw on Instagram these three people went. Have you ever seen a Broadway play in your life? No. no. And it's the same thing with Book of Mormon, and it was the same thing with the producers, and et cetera, and so forth, and down the line you go. So I think I, too, was also a sort of over it. And I mentioned before how... I think I really liked it for $7. I don't think I would have liked it for 400 I don't think I would have liked it for 100 bucks Because, as I said earlier, I had problems following some of the lyrics. I knew how the story was going to end. I knew what Alexander Hamilton did for the country. And I was interested in seeing well, what is so fascinating about this man. What is sandwiched in the middle? I've liked the show more and more now that we've had it on Disney Plus a few times, but that's also because now I'm starting to... I'm catching a lot of lyrics that I didn't catch before. Mm. I should not have to spend $30 in the gift shop to buy the CD to understand the songs that I just paid anywhere between two and $400 for and sat through two hours and 40 minutes of to understand the story in its entirety. That's not... A surprise to hear you say that I think part of that has to do with I've listened to a lot more rap music than you so if you're not used to listening to something at that pace I see where you're gonna miss a little bit of it for me I think that's why I like this so much um if you're not familiar I definitely recommend checking it out on YouTube epic rap battles in history I have 
always enjoyed those videos. And for me, this not was family like, friendly. By the no, way. no, definitely not. Um, but ironically, owned by Disney. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, I've always enjoyed them. And to me, this was like an epic rap battle on steroids. Um, I, I think they just did such an amazing job with it. Um, I love that they took a story that we all know, we all have access to, and brought to light things that we didn't necessarily know about. And they made it entertaining. They made it contemporary. They took the issues of the revolution and made them parallel social commentary. And this was even five years ago. So it's no wonder that Disney Plus released this now because it is so relevant to the changes that are taking place. Um, I think that Hamilton deserves every accolade that it's gotten. Uh, I absolutely think it is the cultural icon that it is touted to be. Um, And I am just sorry that I didn't get the chance to see it sooner, especially now, because this is like the worst kind of torture to know that this piece of art is at my fingertips and I cannot go see it until at least next year because of the pandemic. Find a friend. Uh, I, I'm not going to go. You owe me a birthday present. Take a friend. I don't care. <laughs> I've seen it. That's the thing. And like that's, that's my whole thing here is it's very good. I'm not going to say it. It is very good. But I don't put this any higher than any other show that was already at the top of my list. Do but- I think this is better than Wicked? No. Do I think this is better than Spamalot? No. Do I think this is better than Jersey Boys? No. Do I think this is better than Avenue Q? Yes. Do I think this is better than Frozen? Yes. Do I think it's better than Aladdin? No. So there's a lot there that if I were to go into the city to see a show that I've already seen, this probably falls to number five on the list. I do think it was a smart way to explain history in a contemporary way that also gets kids enthusiastic about it. There is this generation of zombies that have been raised that sit in front of an iPad, sit in front of a phone, they don't go outside and play, and they don't take the time to actually research anything because I'll Google it. Or they just read a meme and take it as fact, but that's an entirely different problem that we're not going to get into on this show. I, my hope is that kids see this, high school kids see this show. Maybe they went on a school trip, or maybe they're going to be shown the movie in school, and it encourages them to pick up a book and learn more about these people. Don't just take it at the face value that you take it at when you see the movie. Because more times than not, the book is better than the movie. That's what I hope stems from this. I still think that there's no place for the F word on Disney+, Plus, whether you you know, uh, out and out say it or not. Cutting the CK off of the end of the word... When it's done in a rhyme, uh, it's it's the word, okay? When you have, I'm not even going to say mother, it, when it's there, okay? It's there, and I don't think that it should be. That's just me. 
with that said, I think that the show is perfectly tongue-in-cheek. I think in this case, the sound is mixed very well. I like that they kept coming uh, around to not throwing away my shot. I thought that was very clever when at the end he throws away his shot and that's why he dies. So there's a lot going on here. I encourage anyone to sit and watch it. It, you know, you may not have the enthusiastic review that a lot of people have, and like I said earlier, a lot of people have not. Um, but I think it's at least worth a watch. That's sort of my opinion of this here. My question is, how many hip hop copycats will we see after this? I'm because you know, it. I'm dreading it. You never just get one of anything. When do we get? The uh, hip-hop storytelling of William Shakespeare. When does Shakespeare become a hip-hop artist? And we're, and we're going to hear all about him because you can take a lot of the things he wrote and you can turn it into slam poetry. I mean, I, I just hope that this is one of its... And I don't like rap, but... I, I don't like seeing things copycatted over and over and over again. Like, Jersey Boys was great. Beautiful was great. I don't need to see... I didn't need to see American Idiot. That show stunk. I didn't need to see Rock of Ages. That show stunk. I don't need to see every musician who ever had a gold record have a story written or a show written about their life using their music to tell the story. If I want that, I'll either go see them in concert or I'll go buy the CD. No, and most of them don't work. A lot of them don't. Very few of them do. Jersey Boys and Beautiful worked. Most of those other ones don't. I think the only one that would work is Bad Out of Hell because that album within itself is a rock opera. I think there's a story there that can be told. I think you can stretch that story over two and a half hours because in the 48 or 49 minutes that that album plays for, there's a full story in there anyway. That's the only one that I really want to see brought out anytime soon. So we threw it out there to the listeners and we said, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your reviews. And we had a pretty enthusiastic response because a lot of people have a lot of things to say about Hamilton. So we have a number of recordings that were sent to us, people giving us their reviews. We also had an email come through from Kreider Gal. She's been a very loyal listener of this show basically from the start. We always love to hear from her. And here was her review. Having only listened to the music for the past few years, it was mesmerizing and satisfactory to put the visuals together with the music. I can see why it's the phenom that it is. My two critiques, if I have to find fault with this musical, are A, some of the dancing is ludicrous, especially by the Schuyler sisters, and B, not knowing all of the history they were trying to cover. I felt the transitions were weak. Using the same song didn't do it for me. Thank God for the Hamilton Facebook groups. For example, they explained to me why that lady was holding the quote-unquote bullets every time there was a duel, and they also provide more historic background on the story filling in the gaps. I know that there are people who are watching it every day, but I have other shows to catch up on, both on Disney Plus and Netflix. It's definitely not a one-and-done, 
but I'm satisfied for now and curious to see what other people think. And we did hear from a number of people, starting with our loyal listener, Lisa, followed by her eight-year-old daughter, Haley. Hamill film was amazing. It's been about two years since I was in the room where it happened, which was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, Since then, I've been dying to see it again, and this just was everything I was hoping for. Um, I love that it really wasn't edited besides, you know, two minor words taken out, Um, but everything else was completely true to the theater experience. And, you know, when I saw it, we were up in the mezzanine and just seeing the film, able to see all the actors' faces up close, their emotions, everything just added to the experience and really gave me a deeper understanding of the show and the story. I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't watched it, go watch it now. Watch it again. Just, it's amazing. Enjoy. I really like the Hamilton movie because... Um, I like the music. I've already watched it two times. I listened to all the songs. And I like that they um, made it history, and they also made it a little bit funny. And I really like it. Hey, guys. Pat Gessner here with a quick review for Monoreal Radio for the musical Hamilton, as was premiered on Disney+. Plus. Um Holy crap. I guess I need to go the full minute. Alright, basically, I went into this completely blind. I never listened to the soundtrack. I never saw the show. Mostly because I just can't afford Broadway tickets, so I never really did anything like that. And I just kind of let this one pass me by. I loved every second of this. I think the music is phenomenal. It hooks you in right away. The presentation of the stage is fantastic. That Everybody's always moving, always constantly into it. The rotating stage adds a lot. That also keeps it a simplified set. There's so many amazing uh, choreographed pieces. The songs just front to back are memorable, impactful, and amazing. This is legitimately one of my favorite musicals, and I just saw it for the first time today. This is Brendan and Catherine from Detour to Neverland, and this is our 60-second Hamilton review. Go. So we saw Hamilton for the first time in Nashville, and it was amazing, but the original cast for sure blew us away. I had two favorite actors. First, Jonathan Groff as King George III. A pretty obvious choice. Even my dad commented that he was amazing. My favorite part was when he spit because he was so mad in that first First, second scene, whatever it was, it was amazing. My other one was Philippa Sue as Eliza Hamilton because of all the emotion that she was able to show. My two favorite were Renee Goldsberry as Angelica Schuyler. I think she had the best voice of the entire cast and David Diggs as Lafayette. I actually think his Lafayette was better than his Thomas Jefferson. And the Thomas Jefferson that we saw in Nashville was better than David Diggs. Ooh, shots fired. Favorite song for me, I loved What Comes Next by King George III. And I liked the Cabinet Battles. So that's it. We loved it. It was amazing. We're probably going to watch it again. Fantastic. I think putting it on screen worked wonderfully. Thank you all so much for your reviews and for participating on the show this week. You guys know that we love to hear from you. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monoreal Radio. You can email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website, monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. 
On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.